0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Tuesday, June 8, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 8, 1968, authorities announced the capture in London of James Earl Ray, the suspected assassin of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Today in 632, 8632, 632, Mohammed, the founder of Islam died. He did not rise from the dead. Today, in 1864, Abraham Lincoln was nominated for another term as president during the National Union. That was the Republican Party's convention in Baltimore. Today, in 1915, U.S. Secretary of State William Jennings Bryan, he resigned over what he viewed as President Woodrow Wilson's overly bellicose attitude toward Germany. Today, in 1953, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled unanimously that restaurants in the District of Columbia could not refuse to serve blacks. Actually, they weren't refusing. They were relegating them to somewhere in the back corner somewhere. They had certain counters that were designated black and white and so on. Today, in 1953, that ended. Today, in 1978, a jury in Clark County, Nevada, they ruled that the so-called Mormon will, purportedly written by the late billionaire Howard Hughes, was a forgery. Remember that? It went on for weeks and months after he died. Today, in 1998, the National Rifle Association elected actor Charlton Heston to be its president. That was a smart move. I've met... I met Charlton Heston, He actually spent a little time with him, really a nice guy from all I could see. He really believed what he said he believed, seemed to be very authentic about guns and other things. Great hunter, he loved to hunt. Today in 2015, siding with the White House in a foreign policy power struggle with Congress, the Supreme Court ruled six to three. That Americans born in the disputed city of Jerusalem, according to the Associated Press, could not list Israel as their birthplace on passports. There's a breaking story as we speak. This program is originating at 9 a.m. this morning, Tuesday morning, as you know. As we speak, there are several of the world's most trafficked websites are inaccessible or almost inaccessible. They're running unreliably, slow or not at all. That's this morning as we speak now. Some of you will hear this an hour or so later this morning. The outage on the websites, which included the UK government's own website, British government's own website, there's a host of newspapers, newsgroups, online culture sites. They began a little before uh, 11 o'clock British Standard Time. And that would be, I think that's about 6 a.m. Eastern time in the United States. They saw many sites return a 503 service unavailable message. Mozilla Web Developer Documentation defines a 503 error as indicating the server is not ready to handle the request. Common causes of this are that a server that is down for maintenance or that they're just overloaded with traffic. But what has caused this mass outage is not known at this moment. I'm sure much more will be said about this today because it's pretty massive. Among some of the large websites that are impacted so far, not in America, but in Britain and Australia, some of the large websites impacted are the British government website, CNN in Europe, the Guardian newspaper, Financial Times newspaper, the New York Times in Europe, and Reddit. Other websites in Europe, including Amazon and Spotify, appear to be accessible, but with very limited functionality. So we are so vulnerable in our world today. I don't know what this will play out. Maybe some kid pulled a wire somewhere that, you know, I don't know what happened. But I do know that things, <laughs> the internet's not working in Europe as we speak, especially in Great Britain. And they're having some issues in Australia as well. I'm sure there will be an explanation for this. and It may be a natural cause. It may not be. Most likely, we'll never know for sure. But it's happening as we speak. We live in a very vulnerable, a very fragile world. There's no question about that. We live in a world that can grip us with fear. I mean, there's a lot going on and so much of it is negative and destructive in our world. That can obsess us if we allow it to, but we're not to allow it to, but we are to be informed. The last letter that he would write, he was an aging preacher, quite old at the time, well-worn, the Apostle Paul the last letter that he would write to a young pastor, Timothy, before he himself, Paul, would be beheaded because of what he believed and more so because of what he taught and preached. He was hated. The people didn't like him. They didn't like his voice. They certainly didn't like what he was saying. But they just couldn't shut him up. And then finally they did. They beheaded him in Rome. But just before that, he wrote a letter to young Timothy, a pastor. We know it as Second Timothy. And in chapter 1, verse 7, he said, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Keep that in mind as you watch day to day. Today, for sure, but each day. Keep that in mind as you watch our world play out in front of us. Be informed. Don't be misinformed. Don't be uninformed. Don't be misled. Be informed. We do our best every day on this program to inform you, but above all things, keep in mind that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love and a sound mind, not to be driven by anxiety and fear, but to be above that, because God has not given us that spirit. And we can know stuff, and we can be aware of what's going on in our world, and yet not be driven by fear because of it. I'm convinced of that. The Bible is clear that God wants his people to be informed. But he does not want us to be driven and be slave to or in bondage to fear. we have moments of fear. I mean, if you're driving your car through a neighborhood and a kid runs out in front of your car, there's a moment of fear. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spirit of fear that possesses people, possesses their life, and squeezes the very life that God has given us out of them. They don't have the joy of the Lord. They have the fear of Satan, and he drives that. So keep in mind what God has said to us through the Apostle Paul in the last letter that he ever wrote. I got this note from someone who made a contribution online. They said, Thank you for presenting the news, Gary, from a coherent Christian perspective, framed in God's truth rather than man's propaganda and manipulations. God bless your efforts. Thank you. Another note I got online. Please continue to provide Christian-based information about our news. Citizens in Canada have lost their ability to present the biblical truths without political oppression. I, um, I pray that we will resist such a future in the United States and support the Christians in Canada. Yeah, I was talking about the, the pastor just the other day, and I presume that's what this person is, uh, is referring to. I was talking about that pastor. They came to his church. They didn't like his message in Canada And uh, they tried to arrest him uh, and stop him, to shut him down. He was preaching on a a message that they didn't approve of, the the authorities. And he told them to get out. As it turned out, he's from Poland. He's seen um, how communism works and atheism, but particularly communism. And I mentioned on the program that I talked about that here. It's been a week or so ago now that I have spent a lot of time in Poland in the 70s when communist rule was in place and it was awful and i know i was followed and harassed and intimidated they tried to intimidate i wasn't intimidated but they they were trying to intimidate me and the pastors that were with me the local pastors there during the time i was there i was there a number of times actually but um this guy was from poland so he knew how this works i mean he'd seen this this pastor so he told him to get out. He said, come back with a warrant. Well, they came back a, a Sunday or two later with a warrant. But they waited for him to leave the church. He and his brother, they got in their car and started to drive away. And in, This was in Canada. And um, the police followed him. They stopped him on a freeway. I mean, there were like eight or ten police cars. I can't remember. There was like a SWAT vehicle there. They dragged him out of his car put handcuffs on him in the middle of this freeway and everything shut down. The guy's a pastor who's pre- preaching a message that they don't agree with. It had to, I'm sure it had to do with homosexuality. I believe that was his text. But I mean, that's where we live today and that's Canada. But is that unthinkable in America? It could happen here, I suppose. Probably will happen unless things are turned around by a great renewal and spiritual revival. And I believe That can happen, and I'm believing it will happen, and I'm holding on to that in prayer, and I think many of you are as well. I think that's what he's referring to here, but thank you. One other note that I noticed that I just mentioned, thank you, Gary, for standing for the only real truth, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't always get to listen to your broadcast like I used to, but still read your blog every day. I appreciate your hard work. And he sends a contribution as well. Thank you so much to all of you who support this ministry. Thank you. We, it, I just wish I knew other words that would better express my deepest appreciation. I don't, but thank you. God has really spoken to my heart about this. I, I feel as I feel as energized and as uh, committed to it today as I did seven or eight years ago now when we started this program on just the ACN stations. And uh, <clears throat> it isn't as though I'm, you know, 19 and starting out the ministry. We've had a full life of ministry. I'm over 40 now and we've had a full life of ministry and uh, wasn't really looking for anything like this, but it came about through some unusual circumstances and kind of an ongoing over a number of weeks conversation with Tom Reed, actually, at ACN. And so I just felt the Lord speak to me about it, and here we are today. And each month we pray that our budget will come in, and it has, and if it hasn't, we've made it up the next month. Well, this would be one of those months. We, need, we were several thousand dollars short last month. The month before that, we were over, and that was applied, some of you gave extra, to launch this program uh, on, the, on Portland, KBDQ, in Portland and southwest Washington. And so we are grateful for that and that money is being used for that at this time. And by the way, if you're listening on KBDQ, hey, we need your support. Uh, we need you to help us. If you believe in what we're doing, if you don't, then don't support us. But if you do, we'd like you to step up and Um, help us over the next while to start meeting our our budget there. But many of you help with that who do, do not listen or live in that area. So thank you for that. But we need to catch up a couple of dollars this month. So if you can do that for us or if you've forgotten, you're a regular contributor, thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, and you'll see Faith and Freedom, and you'll see my name on it. There are other Faith and Freedoms that are not us, but you'll see my name right under the, the word Faith and Freedom. So thank you so much in advance. BP Kamala Harris's border invasion tour had a bumpy start when she took off for Guatemala. She was in Guatemala yesterday. She's in Mexico today. About 25 minutes after a plane took off for Guatemala City, it was forced to return to Joint Base Andrews there in Maryland, outside of D.C., due to a technical issue. That's all they would say, but they got it fixed. As she was getting off the plane, she told reporters they were asking, how are you, how are you, you know, and all that kind of thing. She said, I'm good, I'm good. We had a little prayer, but we're good. (laughs) Upon her delayed arrival in Guatemala City, it became apparent that Maybe she hadn't said enough little prayers because there were a lot of people. The streets had been cleared. That's what they do in third world countries, sometimes in developed countries, always in third world countries. The streets had been cleared of anybody that had any kind of a negative message. But there were a lot of them and they couldn't get everybody cleared. So you could see people up and down the streets with these signs. They were basically waiting for her to arrive so they could tell her to go home. Not because they hate America. They don't hate America. Millions of them want to come here. It's the Biden administration they don't like or even that they hate. They can't stand the Biden administration, many of them in Guatemala. How do you know? Well, I know the people in Guatemala. I spent a lot of time there. VP Harris has refused to actually visit our southern border, which the president has said now is her responsibility I, I'm not sure how all that worked. And I'm pretty sure I can tell you that, I mean, I haven't spoken to the vice president. I've never met her. Don't really care to, to be honest with you. But I can bet that she had a very uh, explosive conversation with her staff or whatever after he publicly, Joe Biden publicly told, told the world that she's in charge of the border. Yeah, I can understand why he doesn't want any part of that. It's a disaster. It's in a crisis. These people, these people in Guatemala, I I know them. They don't hate America. They want to come here, but they can't stand the Biden administration. On approach to the landing in Guatemala City, you fly over this, this massive, massive uh, just shacks and squalor and tents and cardboard little huts and things. It's kind of like Portland and Seattle, (laughs) really, in that regard. Honest, it is. There's just more of it there. But she could brave all that. But normally, the people in Guatemala, they're very nice. BP Harris had a hard time getting there, but she got there. She got past her technical issue. She came bearing gifts to Guatemala yesterday. According to the Washington Post, she arrived with pledges for hundreds of thousands of coronavirus doses She arrived with $310 million in regional humanitarian aid. And she arrived with a check, figuratively speaking. She didn't actually probably have a check in her purse. I don't know. Maybe she did. But she arrived with $4 billion in long-term plan to boost development and security across Central America. As I said, I spent a lot of time there. The Guatemalan people really, I mean, they really don't care about billions of dollars from America or anywhere else because they don't get it. They don't see any result from it. They really don't. The politicians are so corrupt in these third world countries. I don't care who it is. I knew the president, former president of Guatemala. In fact, he flew up here and spoke in our church. He became a Christian. He was converted, but he was a horrible person before he became a Christian. I mean, he was a murderer. That's how that works in not only Guatemala, but other countries as well. And these countries like America, sanctimoniously, we send all this money there. I'm for helping people. I, I'm an ordained minister. I've helped people, given away boxes of Cheerios and whatever for years. We had a great big pantry in our church. It was like a little 7-Eleven. People could, families could come in there and take whatever they want. I'm not, I mean, that's biblical. But I'm saying, I don't mean to be cynical about it, but I mean, it's just the truth. And it's that way all over the world. It isn't just Guatemala, but third world countries are underdeveloped, as we now say, countries. They, they know that countries like us send these billions of dollars or millions or maybe tens of dollars to them. They don't see that. It doesn't help them. It gets filtered into the elite that run the country that are extremely wealthy for the most part. And they don't see it. So, That's the mindset, and that's why they were out there with signs telling her to go home. That was one of the reasons, but there's a greater reason, and I'll get to that in a moment. But there's a meeting, a meeting took place. The Daily Caller actually published this story, and I want to share it with you. I I don't have a personal connection to this story, except I think it makes my point. And they tell in one of their articles, I think it was either Sunday or yesterday, the Daily Caller, they tell, they tell about a meeting with an American contractor in a small Guatemal, Guatemalan town. And these towns are on these hills and they're all a very steep and rugged mountains in Guatemala and central, throughout Central America because of it's volcanic and so on. But anyway, they had this meeting in a small town. I don't know which one, but it was an American contractor. And he came with an ambitious goal. This is a true story. He came with an ambitious goal of igniting the local economy called a meeting, happened to be in a coffee growing area. And uh, within a matter of minutes, uh, according to this story, into his presentation, and man, I can see this. I, I, As I said, I've just been with some of these people. I mean, I've spent time with them. I've lived in their villages and so on. But anyway, in a few minutes, it, he was talking about, we're going to ignite your economy and all this kind of thing. But within a few minutes into his presentation, this these, to these local coffee growers, Uh, He passed out a pamphlet inviting farmers to download an app to check coffee prices and be part of modern agriculture. The farmers all started laughing at him. This is recent. One of the coffee farmers is Pedro Aguilar. He said he didn't see how any of this would help people from going to the U.S. border or stop them from going to the U.S. border. He said all this money comes in, but he said it has never helped me or anyone like me, and he said, Where does all this money go that you're giving? We don't want these apps, we don't, we just need to be left alone and let us do what we do. He said, Where's the aid that's sent to us from all of the countries, including the U.S.? We don't know, we don't see it, but they know where it goes because they talk about it in private in their own homes, they know where it goes, but he's. Rhetorically asking this guy who's there to save this village from itself, where does the money go? It goes to the elite. It's, it's that corrupt. So the Guatemalan president has said that the Biden administration's message has led to an explosion of coyotes, those human traffickers, bringing people to the border. It's at a 21-year high in border crossings, illegal border crossings, today or as of this weekend. The gifts aren't working, except for the ruling elite in third world countries. And they all know that. But it's sad that we've lost our moral authority. And that's, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about that today. That There's, <laughs> there's the official meetings that we see. Kamala Harris, I think I mentioned yesterday on the program, I'd heard about it. Uh, she was passing out cookies in an image of herself. It was kind of like her face, these cookies were made to look like her. She was passing them out to the press while they were flying to Guatemala City yesterday. That's amazing. But anyway, it it says more than you probably want to know about her and many, unfortunately, many elected officials. But the moral authority has been lost, and the people of the world know that. They know that. I know there are people in this world that hate America. I've met some of them, but... For the most part, the millions and millions of people, they want to come here. They know that we're imperfect, but they see us still as a city on a hill, a shining city on a hill. But they see us also in the grip of beliefs and in the grip of of an agenda that they don't understand. They understand Christianity, even if they're Muslim, they understand that we're a Christian nation. Because they know that everybody believes in something, even an atheist. He believes in his power to not believe in anything. Everybody believes in something, and they know that. And so they look at all this, and they they see the sham of it all. So these unofficial greeters, while the ceremony is proceeding as it's supposed to, with the hierarchy of the city, these unofficial greeters at the airport are holding these signs along the, the route where... Kamala Harris was taken. They're not asking for money. They're asking for the vice president to go home. And some of the signs say, go home and solve your own corruption. One tweet that came from there, a guy that was there, he said, we're, we're against their agenda. The Biden administration's agenda of imposing the LGBTQ pro-abortion ideology. in America, In Guatemala, we're pro-life. We're not against Kamala Harris's diplomatic visit, one tweeted, but rather her interference and blackmail in return for aid. I mean, they get what's going on. We're against the Biden administration's agenda, another wrote, this El Faro, imposing the LGBTQ pro-abortion ideology. We're pro-life in this country. And it goes on and on and on. But Guatemala is not the only country that shares those sentiments. Back in 2015, when Barack Obama was president, he visited Kenya, his father's homeland. Kenya was excited about his coming. I'm in touch with people still to this day in Kenya. I spent a lot of time there as well. We spent a lot of time in a lot of places, not all all countries of the world, but a lot of countries, building churches, starting churches, working with existing churches, speaking at conferences and conventions and out in the field traveling in bumpy road. I mean, unbelievable stories. I can't believe I did that. I don't think I would even try what I was doing then now. I mean, I flew in airplanes and landed in cow pastures on the side of a mountain in Guatemala. And the pilot goes, Whew. boy, we made it this time. You know, and I'm going, what does that mean? Kenya National Assembly Speaker Justin Maturi at the time and four other legislators warned President Obama. They said, we want you to come. We love America, blah, blah, blah. But they said, don't come promoting your homosexual rights in your visit to this country. Maturi said individual rights must not violate the rights of others. Those advancing gay rights must similarly appreciate our Christian, Islamic, and African traditional values, which abhor homosexuality, reminding Obama that sodomy was still a criminal offense in Kenya. It may still be, I don't know, but it was then in 2015, not that long ago. Deputy President at the time, William Ruto, he told a church congregation where he spoke on Sunday before Obama arrived, he said, we have heard that in the U.S. they allow gay relations and other dirty things. I want to say as a Christian leader that we will defend our country, Kenya. We will stand for faith in our country. He added that no amount of persuasions, theories, or philosophy will make us change our position. We believe in God. This is a God-fearing nation and we'll continue to do so. This is personal to me. I I think you can understand what I'm saying. Having spent so many years, a number of years, carved out in my my life in Christian missionary ministry that included these countries and others. I know these people. They're godly people. And I, I just... Understand that they're just like us. They are, especially the Christians. And as I said, I'm still in touch with guy. I got a email or a text from a guy or an email from a guy in Kenya yesterday. But I've seen people like myself. There's many, there's millions of them, some of them famous. I'm I'm not knowing, but they are. From our beloved America go to the darkest corners of the world to share the light of God's truth.